Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. And today we're continuing our discussion of Matthew chapter 12. We're picking back up at verse 15. If you're just joining us, we have been going through the book of Matthew little by little and just helping you to understand the relevancy, the history, the culture, some of the things that we miss because we know that while scripture was written for us, it was not originally written to us. It was written to an ancient people group that as a Jewish people had an understanding of some things that sometimes we miss as a modern Western reader. And so as we're going through that, if you have any additional questions, know that we have extra resources for you. If you head to shehears.org, we have spiritual direction. We have one-on-one coaching. We have on our Patreon page, we have journaling questions and family discussion guides, all designed to help you grow together as you learn to hear God's voice more closely together as a family. And so I'm picking up at verse 15 and I'm reading from the NASB version. It says, but Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Many followed him and he healed them all and warned them not to tell who he was. This happened so that what was spoken through Isaiah, the prophet would be fulfilled. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bent reed he will not break off and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish until he leads justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and unable to speak was brought to Jesus, and he healed him so that the man who was unable to speak talked and could see. And all the crowds were amazed and were saying, this man could not be the son of David, can he? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, this man casts out demons only by Beelzebul and the ruler of demons. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he has become divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if by Beelzebul, I cast out the demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first ties up the strong man and then he will plunder his house? So there's a lot going on here and there's still more after it, but we're breaking it up a little bit so we can digest it in some bite-sized chunks. And so we are starting to talk about this idea of casting out demons and exorcism. And it's super interesting because, you know, I feel like sometimes we still see this in the church today. Jesus himself is casting out demons and he is accused of being working for Satan. It's that idea of Beelzebul is basically, it's a way that they referred to Satan, essentially. There were different groups of people that had been putting together these different messianic promises of the Old Testament. And because they were divided, they could not agree on what that actually meant. But in their mind, because King David was a warrior, 
the messianic son of David would come also as some sort of liberator or war kind of leader. And so although David is the only person recorded to have done an exorcism of a demon in the Old Testament, he was not necessarily considered a miracle worker. But yet the son of David was known to be bringing in a movement of the Holy Spirit, including the healing of illnesses and exorcisms, you know, helping people with demon possession, those kinds of things. And so while they recognize, the people would recognize that this is the work of the Holy Spirit, the religious leaders of the time wouldn't. And so the Beelzebub or you know, there's different names depending on the version that you're reading. He was known as the Prince of Demons. And they're basically saying that the reason why Jesus is able to do this is because he's drawing on this ancient power. So the ancient world in general had an understanding and that there was a supernatural thing at work and they would draw on even these magical incantations with this attempt to manipulate the spirit world. And so Beelzebub would be translated as master of the house and to cast out a demon from the blind and mute man they are saying that it's most likely coming from this identification of the chief of these evil spirits and eventually that became known as the ruler of the demons or that power became attributed to satan and so What's super interesting here is that the Pharisees are not denying the miracle of an exorcism, but instead of attributing that power to God, they're attributing that power to Satan. And so Judaism continued with this kind of understanding within this supernatural realm, and they would even, you know, talk about things like sorcerers or these different magical incantations. But there was never a denial that these kinds of things happened and existed. And I think it's so interesting because we, within the body of Christ, within the American church, so many times we want to ignore that we really are facing a spiritual battle. And to be perfectly honest, sometimes even when you are from a more charismatic persuasion, that is not necessarily widely received. Now, outside of the American church, I don't ever have any problems when we're talking about exorcisms or demon possession, those kinds of things. And I think I mentioned this just in this last week. One of my African counterparts has said to me, you know, Rachel, I love Americans because you guys don't have demons, you have issues, and then you medicate your issues. And, you know, that holds true. I've said that over and over again. That is such a reality of our Western mindset. But we have to recognize that this was never denied in Jesus's time. I don't know why we deny it. I think it's part of the tactic of the enemy. But Jesus is using this logic. If if I am driving out demons by Satan, who are you driving out demons by? Because Jesus is the real deal. He is God. And so he is the only one that is qualified to drive out demons by the Spirit of God. And so he talks about this logic now of what that actually looks like. He says, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? And what I love about that is Jesus is giving us a clue as to how he approached this idea of exorcism and dealing with people that had a demonic oppression. I think sometimes because it's not taught in the church, we just feel powerless against this. But we have to recognize that Jesus has given us authority through the Holy Spirit to do the same thing. And so it starts with binding up the strong man. That strong man is Satan himself. And so it starts with binding Satan in the name of Jesus. And then, and only then, can we release those that are being held captive by the demons because the demons answer to the strong man.
exorcism was very convincing evidence that Jesus had brought the kingdom of heaven to Israel. And experiencing an exorcism was very important, but the exorcised person has to then respond to the invitation of Jesus to believe and enter the kingdom of God and experience this new life in Christ through the spirit. Otherwise, what would happen is that person that had had demons exercised is more vulnerable to the persistent attack of the demon. And, you know, we'll go on to talk about this tomorrow, but this idea of spiritual warfare, the demon would could come back and bring seven more with him. And so this idea of spiritual warfare is really understanding that it starts with this acceptance of Jesus and inviting him into your heart and accepting of the Holy Spirit. And I'll, I'll tell you, there was one time where we were on a stage with probably 50 to 100 demoniacs in a rural village in East Africa. And I won't get super specific, but it was the first time I'd ever been exposed to that. And there was a woman there that she was HIV positive. She was cutting herself. She was rolling around on the stage and she was trying to get her blood on anybody else that was in reach. And the pastor I was with at the time, he said, you need to go deal with that. And I had no idea what I was doing. I had never been exposed to anything like that before. And yet I knew that I had everything in me that the Holy Spirit had given me to be able to to help this woman. And so we started praying, her and me and another friend of mine, we started praying for deliverance for this woman. And I'll tell you, at, at first glance, you know, it really wasn't that difficult initially to get that first demon out of her. You know, it happened rather quickly. And the, the sticking point happened was when I said to her, I want you to say the name of Jesus. And she just looked at me and literally was like something you would hear off of the movies or something. Her eyes rolled back in her head and she started growling. And I thought, okay, well, then she's got more than one. And so we repeated that process. It was like seven or eight times that we had repeated that process before she was finally clean of all the demons that had been possessing her. And it was at that point that I asked her to say in the name of Jesus and she was able to say the name of Jesus. And at that point, she asked Jesus into her life. Not only did she receive Jesus and she prayed that salvation prayer, but that she also asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and immediately beginning praying in tongues. And not only that, she has gone on to live a life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And she works in this realm of helping other people receive deliverance from from the enemy. And that taught me such a powerful thing because I think me in my ignorance, I could have just stopped after that first demon. Did a demon come out of her? Absolutely. Did we see evidence of that? Yes. Like there was a change in her face. She kind of fell to the ground. There was a whole change in her countenance, except that demon wasn't alone. And that's the part that I think that we have to be very, very conscious of is it's not just about casting demons out. Okay. Sometimes that's the easy part. The hard part is making sure that they're alone, that there wasn't just one of them. And sometimes it takes a long time. I mean, this took us hours. And and sometimes that does take hours when you're doing deliverance ministry. It does take quite a long time. But the, the primary thing that you have to get through in those situations is making sure that person comes to faith in Christ and accepts Jesus into their heart. Because until that happens and the Holy Spirit enters them, they are vulnerable to have that demon and seven more come along with them. Now, we're going to continue talking about this tomorrow. And if you would like more resources on spiritual warfare or binding and loosing prayers or deliverance ministry, that is probably something more for one-on-one meetings. I'm not going to necessarily address that here, but I want you to know that this is very real, that this still happens. And even though we ignore it in the American church, the enemy is very active. He's prowling around like a lion looking for who he can devour. So let's recognize that that Jesus himself 
work through these issues and he calls us to do the same thing. As we stand in the gap for people, we want to help them come to a place of deliverance. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read this this portion of scripture. It says, but Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Many followed him and he healed them all and warned them not to tell who he was. This happened so that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet would be fulfilled. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bent reed he will not break off, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish, until he leads justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and unable to speak was brought to Jesus, and he healed him, so that the man who was unable to speak talked and could see. And all the crowds were amazed and were saying, This man cannot be the son of David, can he? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man casts out demons only by Beelzebul and the ruler of the demons. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he has become divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if by Beelzebul I cast out the demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out the demons by the Spirit of God, and then the kingdom of God has come upon you, or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first ties up the strong man, and then he will plunder his house? God, we thank you that even in today's day and age, when sometimes we are so unwilling to recognize the enemy at work, that you have a plan and a purpose. And this example we see of Jesus in scripture, binding the strong man and giving freedom and deliverance to people that are bound by the demons. God, help us to recognize that that is part of our call as believers too. And help us not to be afraid of that. Help us to walk in the authority that you have given us through your spirit, God. Lord, help us to be agents of deliverance and change for those around us, even though we are in America, most of us, that we would recognize that you have given us the power and the authority to walk in freedom and to help others walk in freedom. God, I pray for my friends, even right now, that are curious about spiritual warfare or deliverance or binding and loosing, God, would you give them a hunger to seek the truth, the truth of your word? And Lord, we thank you for the way that you reveal yourself to us through your word. Lord, I pray for a special hedge of protection around them as they are learning about these things. Lord, I pray that they would be protected from any tools of the enemy that he would try to ensnare them, but that they would walk in victory and freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, friends, we'll be back with more tomorrow. Hey friends, as we lean into a new month and we continue to learn and grow together, there's a couple resources I want to make sure you know about so you can take advantage of. The first is our Patreon page, and the link for that is in the show notes. And on the Patreon page, we have a couple things. We have a dedicated space that is for discussion, for asking questions. You get easy access to me where we talk about things, we hold each other accountable. There are resources that go with the show, like a journaling prompt worksheet download for every single adult show. We also have family discussion guides. And what's really been neat about those is that on the kids show every day, I talk about the same content that's on the adult show, just taught in a way that kids can understand. Then the family discussion guides create an environment for you to process that information with your children. You can use that at the dinner table or even as part of your devotional routine. There's some suggested prayer and activities and things to help you connect that content to the appropriate age for your children. So all of that is on the Patreon. Also, there's some prophetic words, extra videos, transcripts, all those kinds of things. 
The second is on our website. If you go to shehears.org, there's a shop resources page that has my Bible studies that I've written, links to different journaling Bibles, note-taking Bibles, all sorts of resources to help you grow. And then also on our website, we have the coaching section. If you are finding that you need some spiritual direction or life coaching, that is available for you as well. And that's really good to help you process what you're learning. If you're feeling stuck, if you need to work through something, if something just isn't sitting right, or if you want to teach this content and you need to help develop a plan, I'm available to help you do that as well. Again, all of these are resources to help you grow in your spiritual life and hear God's voice more clearly. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going.